Welcome to the Hawkeye Psychic Podcast. And you're very welcome back to the Hawkeye Psychic Hurling Podcast with your host Mark Kennedy. Joined this week by Kieran Collins. Kieran, how are things? Good, Mark, yourself? Sure, grand, grand. But I suppose tonight uh, Kieran will focus in on the Alliance Hurling League. The semi-finals in Division 1 uh, took place last weekend. Limerick and Kilkenny advance. We'll have a review of those games. We'll also look at Westmead's victory over Leash, securing Division 1 status for next season. We'll look at Division 2A, semi-final between Offaly and Kerry, an interesting clash in Tullamore. And also we'll run the rule over the teams, essentially, in 1A, 1B, and also maybe 2A if we have the time as well. I suppose, Karen, we'll start from the start. I suppose Saturday night in the TUS Gaelic grounds in Limerick. Limerick entertained Tipperary, a nice feisty affair to start off the league semi-finals. It really was, Mark, yeah. And I suppose it was as close to championship pace we've seen this year so far. I think the intent of the tip team that were going to come, <clears throat> how hard they were going to come at Limerick was before the ball was even thrown in the, the, the handbags before. But Tipperary were really, really impressive, especially first half. They bought a real intensity, you know, they fronted up and were they were just in Limerick's face the whole way through. This was really good cameos for like Alan Tynan, really, really good game midfield. Jason Ford as well, you know, he's he's been on top form this the league campaign and uh, I suppose he was everywhere in that first half. I think Limerick were maybe slow to get up to pace, but uh, it's probably did you know, they held with him, they stayed with tip and I suppose four points margin, it's not a huge score in hurling. With Tipper or Limerick came out in the second half, and you know they they just went up a couple of gears. They, they adapted to how Tip were playing. I think Peter Casey had a really really good second half. Just came a lot deeper than he had been and got a lot of ball. I just think the the intensity Limerick went to, you know, I think they just kind of blew Tipperary away. Outscored them one sixteen to nine points in the second half. You know, I think Tipperary kind of just had no answers as far as really twelve different scores from Limerick. From four to fifteen, got on the scoreboard. No jersey numbers, so you know, really, really impressive. And I think in the second half, especially, Limerick were hundred percent accurate with their shooting. Bar the, the final ball was uh, one that let him down. So you know, that's something that would have been an Achilles heel for Limerick, especially in years gone by. Would have been shooting accuracy. So to see that for me is really impressive. And uh, I think as well, just to see Keenan back to his best, you know, just a headache in around the, the middle area there, just you know. He's probably the pound for pound, I think, the best hurler in the country at the minute. And just good to see him getting back to his best. He, he's really going to add another dimension, dimension for Limerick this year that we didn't have last year. It's good times to be a Limerick supporter now. Yeah, I just thought it was a, a cracking contest from minute one. And I think you have to give full credit to Tipperary as well for providing such a stiff opposition for Limerick. I mean, that first half-wise, uh, Kieran, you touched on it. I thought Alan Tynan really came into his own. You know, even at the start of the throw, and he really set the marker down to Willa Donoghue early. And, you know, he chipped in with the four points, but I thought, you know, linked play so superbly well, along with Connor Stakelam. I suppose Barry Hogan as well in goal uh, from Kiladangan as well. I thought his puckouts were absolutely superb. Really identifying uh, players in space, Giroud O'Connor and Jason Ford particularly, was gaining an awful lot of traction there, particularly in the first half. I suppose Ford finishing up with 14 points, Giroud O'Connor with three points as well. Noel McGrath straightened things very well. And also kind of the middle third as well was kind of really stopping Limerick from developing anything. So I suppose overall for Liam Cahill and Michael Bevins, I mean, sure, there's a loss there, but particularly the first half, they can really be positive in terms of how they perform, particularly in that first half, Fekir. 
Yeah, I think it's something I mentioned earlier in the league was how Tipperary have, well, I could see targeted the puck outs as a, an area of interest because really impressive, especially I, I think it was the Kilkenny game earlier in the league where they stood out for me. And again, in that first half against Limerick, you know, they found areas of space. Uh, yeah, and as you said, the, the puck outs were just, they were just darts, there were arrows like straight to hand. You know, in this day and age, possession game, you know, a puck out is crucial. I think both Tip and Limerick have been really, really good. The puck outs, conversion rate like the it was up in the 70 percent which is which is very good but i think what limited differently in the second half was it closed down that space and they they kind of changed us you know Tipperary didn't have the same space the ball wasn't going in uh the players were marked and i think in in a way it probably left tip kind of you know a little bit flabbergasted like you know what's happened here where we're getting this endless supply of ball in the first half and i don't think they adapted to what limerick had done in the second half to close up in that space yeah, and I think maybe a bit of wear and tear was probably entering into it, particularly in that third quarter as well, Karen, An awful lot of energy and effort. Like, I wasn't at the game, but seeing the likes of Valentine and guys like that, you could see they were actually maxing out here after 35, 40 minutes. And I thought Limerick's middle third really did kind of ascend dominance, really. I mean, there was a point there from Coughlin. There was an exchange of passes, you know, running through the lines. It really seemed to be really kind of uh, one-way traffic. I suppose I can read the stat out. 35th minute to 68th minute. Limerick won 14. Tipperary, four points. Really told the tell of the tape, didn't it, Karen? I mean, we can talk about the 12 outfield players for Limerick scoring. Uh, but, I mean, every line, I thought half-back line, every line really did really go up another level, particularly in that uh, period here, Karen. Oh, absolutely. They did, yeah. They, they, they went from a team that were playing in, in second gear to fourth gear oh, um, from first, second half. And I think w- with that rise in intensity, I think it just left Tip with no answers. And, you know, that's that, that score and that, that tells the story of the second half. I think the goal probably made the result a little bit more comfortable at the time. But I think, uh, you know, midway through that second half, I think you, it was clear to see that Limerick could have been comfortable winners at the time. Anyway. Half-back line was really cleaning up, wasn't it? I mean... Declan Hannon was really orchestrating an awful lot of things. He scored two lovely points as well uh, from play. Tom Morrissey got into the game. Colin O'Neill, I thought, had a super game in terms of his work rate and really his interlinking play, particularly from the half-back line and forward line. That was absolutely superb. I mean, what can you say about uh, Barry Nash as well? Just, again, an awful lot of these guys came to the fore, particularly after, after the restart and I mean, it's uh, just emphatic. And I suppose the goal that Peter Casey scored, very opportunistic. Maybe exposed a bit of naivety in that Tipperary full back line for Casey to get in behind. But, I mean, opportunistic finish, and I suppose that really did spell the end for Tipperary. I suppose it's highlighted an area of, of weakness possibly for Tipperary going into the championship. And, you know, I think they'd like to see the likes of Cahill Barrett coming back from injury slot into that full back line. You know, we mentioned it earlier in the year when he went out injured. You know, Michael Breen, if he does... Uh, line out there full back he's probably inexperienced in the in the today's game so to have the experience of, of likes of Barrett or maybe Craig Morgan back in as well in there you know to to steady up the ship there because uh, you know I think Cahill would have you know the I think it was Johnny Ryan was marking Casey or that, like he probably should have stopped Casey in, in his tracks to get that ball but you know I think when when Tipper back to full strength which is you know Something we have to mention, Tipper, without a lot of personnel at the minute as well, due to injury. So I think if you're Liam Cahill looking at the game, yeah, okay, it's a, a loss, but there'll be a lot of a positives to come out of the game. 
to to look at Tipperary from where they were this time last year to where they are this time to now. You know, they're like two two different teams. They have a good mix of, of probably young and old. You know, as we said, personnel missing due to injury. You know, once they come back, you know, I think Tipperary will do okay in this round robin in the championship. Yeah, absolutely. You know, they really did give it everything. I think credit to Tipperary. They went until the end. I think other teams would have really accepted their fate. Taking a seven eight point loss, but I mean Tipperary kept going until the final whistle. Damage had been well and truly done. I suppose the likes of Barry Heffernan probably come back into the reckoning in terms of maybe full back slot or midfield. But again, he's only really starting heavy training after his knee layoff. Carl Barrett, I think, is the the one here. But it'd be interesting just to see where Liam Cal does slot him in. I think he was looking more from a midfield perspective. But I suppose Connor Stakelam and Alantynan looked like the 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 first choice uh, guys there for Tipperary. I mean. Alan Tynan really has impressed me enormously. You know, the former young monster rugby man, I mean, he doesn't lack for physicality anyway, and he's continued his club former Ross Gray into the intercounty scene uh, this year. So it's a good find for Liam Cal and Michael Bevins. Yeah, and I suppose he's not the only player you could highlight, you know, for this year. I think along with Grola Connor and Brian O'Mara as well, you know, and you're talking three guys who are going to play up the spine of the team. So, you know, I think it's Cahill going forward, builds the temporary team around these guys. Tipperary won a minor at All Ireland minor last year. There's young guys coming as well, so I think you know these these three guys I just mentioned are around for a long number of years. You know Tipperary, I don't think you're going to see what happened last year happen again too soon. Absolutely, and then you can throw in maybe Connolly uh, from Lockmore Castellani, who's out extended leave as well. I mean Brian McGrath as well hasn't really had much of a look in as well. I mean talking to a few Tipperary uh, guys straight after the game here in Galway. It was kind of a case of, you know, Dan McCormick's in the wing back, Seamus Kennedy in half forward has been maybe a bit of maybe a switching and swapping there a little bit, maybe to think just the balance is maybe just a little bit off. But I mean, Bonnermar, they're definitely, you know, the workhorse in that half forward line. But I suppose Noel McGrath, just to get him involved, I mean, third quarter wise, was kind of, a, it was maybe a forlorn task for Noel McGrath. But really, Noel McGrath seems to be a very much a fulcrum here for the Tipperary forward line particularly for the likes of Ford, given that Seamus Canlon's in a race against time to um, even get into the Munster Senior Ireland Championship uh, setup. Yeah, I think that'll raise questions when, when Canlon is back to as well. I don't see room for Norman McGrath, Canlon and Bonnemar in the same team. I don't think you can also afford to have, you know, okay, the work rate Bonnemar is bringing you, but you're, you know, your lack of the score in Ford as such, like Bonner is more, hasn't been putting his work onto the scoreboard. So, you know, going forward, can can you afford to have, like, two players similar in the forward line? I don't know. But I suppose what Cahill will look at, he has choice, you know, and, and across the half-back line and across every line, you could say they have choice, you know, and I suppose in today's game with the, a strong panel. It's, it's not uncommon for teams to spring players in different positions. We see Kenny doing it. Patrick Walsh come back to corner back. We saw Limerick a couple of years ago bring in, you know, Kyle Hayes, Bring Kyle Hayes back to wing back, and I suppose at the time it throws opposition teams, but it was as trying to point trying to make is it's not uncommon. And I mean, Connor Bow probably comes into that wing four position as well uh, for Tipperary as well. So I mean, for Tipperary, I think it's been overall a pleasantly positive league experience. They've identified one or two players, and I suppose that game against Clare in the first round is really going to be pivotal. I suppose looking at Limerick here, Kieran, uh, you think of the players that are a bit on the subs bench on Saturday night. Again, from a John Kiley, Paul Knark perspective, 
what a nice problem to have going into an Allianz Hurling League final, uh, just in terms of the competition for places. That the first 15 really did kind of really assert themselves in his fixture. So competition will be pretty high uh, for that final in Parky Keeve on Sunday week. Yeah, I suppose if you look at the, the start in 15 for the All-Ireland final last year, um, you're also going to add to it, you know, Keane Lynch, Peter Casey, Shane O'Brien this year, Donica Dolly, you know, guys that have had a really good league campaign. Adam English, I think Cahill O'Neill has really impressed me uh, in the few games he's played, uh, especially the latter part of the league. He was injured the early part. You know, these guys are putting their hands up. And I think as well from Kylie, like four points down at the weekend, Kyle Hayes on the bench, Scott Hegarty on the bench, and he didn't spring him at halftime, which is a sign that, you know, like I, I trust uh, 15 guys taken to the field. And he backed them in a way. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's unreal strength and depth. You know, and I suppose you'd like to think that come the crunch of the championship that these guys have, the younger guys like Shane O'Brien, Donegal Dolly, have gained experience to to be brought in if needed or start, whatever way Kyle sees. But, you know, you'd imagine come championship, Kyle Hayes and Hegarty will start. But these guys like Shane O'Brien, uh, Donegal Dolly, to be bringing them in as subs, where there is, a de- there is a demand on them coming in as subs. Like, Kylie has made no bones about it, like, you, you expect a return from from players coming on, you know. If you're a Limerick player, you know, no matter who you are or what position you play, your your jersey isn't safe. I think it's looking like you look across the half back line. You've Kyle Hayes, Declan Hannan, Dermot Burns, Dan Morrissey, Colin Coughlin. You know, so two of them guys are going to be sitting on the bench come first championship game against Waterford. You know, so there's decisions to be made, obviously. But you know, I suppose it. it Complacency doesn't set in when you have selection choices like that. Oh, absolutely. Then couldn't have even thrown midfield. Barry Murphy, I thought, had a very solid cameo. Came in late for Daryl Donovan and I didn't think put a foot wrong. Contributing the scoring stakes as well. So, I mean, you're kind of looking across these lines here. Uh, and even Dan Morrissey, Mr. Versatility in the back line, can't get his game. I mean, that's really shown the stature of that Limerick squad depth. I mean, you, you touch on Dunnock Odalik here as well. How did you feel his performance was last weekend? It was his first start, but uh, from my perspective, I thought he quit himself quite well, uh, given the circumstances. Yeah, he has. And, and, and any game I've seen him in the league so far, you know, he's he's scored every game. He's been strong, you know, and I think you could compare Shane O'Brien the same way as well. You know, young guys um, coming in, you know, not phased by the the... The team they're coming into, you know, just kind of slotting in. They're really, really impressive. Uh, and obviously, Pat Ryan has been released from the panel. So, pops a shortage in, in that area. But, like, two two great guys to have in. And, uh, you know, they're only going to get better. You kind of look at the scoring from the weekend. Aaron Galan, 8.7 from freeze. Dermot Burns as well, you know, coming big with his free-taking and his open play with six points. Peter Casey, 1-2. So... But it was just distribution of scores, and I think just particularly second half how scores were created. It was just so well constructed and well worked that um, I think it's all on the signs for the rest of the chasing pack. To be perfectly fair, so Limerick advanced to the final. Where they're going to face Kilkenny and UPMC Nolan Park. Now I was excited going into this game, uh, Karen. I won't lie, given the fireworks that we seen in TUS Gaelic grounds on Saturday night, but didn't really live up to the expectation here, Karen. Did it? I mean, what did you feel about the performance of Kilkenny, but also Cork as well? I thought maybe a big opportunity for Cork missed to get into a league final. I think there's one thing that that I come away with that 
doesn't matter what Kilkenny team plays or what players take to the pitch, you're, you're going to get the same work rate, intensity and attitude, no, no matter who, who plays or, or who's who's over them, what management team is over them. You know, Kilkenny, the, the attitude is unbelievable. And that's the difference between Cork and Kilkenny the weekend was was work rate, especially in their forwards. Cork, Cork looked like Cork of old, really, didn't they? When the pressure came on, started passing them over and back the field as they had been last year. I think the one moment that stuck out for me was um, when Kieran Joyce was uh, penalised for overcarrying because like there was no options, no no forward made a run, and that's that's the Cork we we were slating last year. And you know, I think if you're a Cork fan, it, you know, so much hype and so much I suppose hope really, and and this has knocked them back uh, a good bit. I suppose in expectations the. I suppose they all we all expected a different Cork, uh, you know, younger Cork coming through. But you know, I, after the weekend, you, you couldn't be at all convinced of Cork. And uh, yeah, they've been unbeaten in the league so far, and they probably played the bones of two different teams. But I think for Pat Ryan, you know, even if I sat down with a pen and paper there, I I, I couldn't even pick the first fifteen for Cork. You know, they have so many options. But that's something we've highlighted as well is like. Hurlers that are very similar, you know, real problems and inconsistency. And I, I didn't know what to make of Cork this year uh, up to now, but I would, I really would be worried for Cork for the for the round robin. There is vulnerability there, I think, right now. And again, you take the early season optimism, beat Limerick by a point, they go away to Galway, get a keynote win. But since then, there's been an awful lot of very much topsy turvy squad selections. And Pat Ryan had to basically look at his squad depth, but maybe he's unsettled the team pattern a little bit here. I'm just thinking in terms of the Westmead game. Wexford as well, really, on another day, could have actually got a result there. And then the Clare game was an unmitigated challenge game. There was really no intensity. So coming into this game, a league final at stake and potentially a Parkett Keeve league final, if you think about it, I think, you know, there's plenty of motivation. 34 years since Cork have won a league title. That's unforgivable for a county of Cork's stature. But as you said here, Karen, you hit nail on the head. I think the old middle third, I thought, were completely and utterly routed uh, during the game. Half back line for Cork really didn't set a platform. Half forward line were living on scraps. Conor Lahan was really struggling to kind of get into the game. I think Barrett probably from Cork, from an attacking sense, is probably the standout. But looking across that Kilkenny middle third, I thought to a man, they won their jewels quite convincingly. And I think the six-point win, it probably flattered Cork, to be perfectly fair, just given how the proceedings went. Yeah, I think Rob Downey in stages played well, wing back. I think Joyce, yeah, Joyce has turned into be a really, really good centre-back and, and will be for years to come. But I think the forwards, yeah, Barris, obviously, you know, I think I, I would agree, played well. But the forwards want to run a goal and score. They don't seem to want to put in the same effort that other intercounty teams are putting in defensively. And I think that showed, you know, different facets during the game. Like, Kilkenny were not full strength by any means. You know, Kilkenny didn't have TJ Reid, Owen Cody, Adrian Mullen. You know, you add in Richie Reid, add, add in all these guys, and, and that's a, a stronger Kilkenny team. So, facing the team, Cork also had the advantage of not being out first week of round robin. So, they have... You know, there's a lot of talk of a two-week break between uh, league final and first week in Robin. Cork have a rest week first week, so they actually have a three-week break. So another advantage to to try and progress to the final. 
you know, I think you look at the, like, Kilkenny had 30 shots from play, Cork had 19. I think Conor Lehan, really, really poor. Really poor. Like, you hear Cork people saying, oh, we, you know, we, the days of, of uh, Horgan and Harley, they need Harley more now than they ever did. You know, send a forward, winning ball. There's no ball winners in that team. Decky Dalton impressed early games in the league. Poor a couple of games since. Don't know if he's going to call the firm. Yeah, just they seem to be car players are happy when they're running that goal. Uh, they have speed. You know, they're very, very good hurlers. But in the modern game and, and, and the game of today, it's not all about good hurling. You know, it's work rate. You know, and all over the field. And I think Cork did not bring that. And then when the pressure came on, they just reverted back to the old, you know, balls over and back the field. They're just rudderless, basically, when, when Kilkenny. And, and Kilkenny, I wouldn't say played exceptional, just they worked the socks off like they always do. And, you know, you and Billy Drennan, what a find for, you know, 113 and 100% accuracy from freeze, which is, you know, it's unbelievable for a young guy. It's many distance, really. Massey Keown, you know, as well. Donnelly had a very good game. And Kilkenny are building, you know, they're a work in progress, but they're they're adapting to the, I suppose, the mix of the short game and, and, and some long balls in as well. But I think they're really, they've, they've been impressive. I don't think were they up to full scratch or up to the what they can be on Sunday, no. Which I suppose for Pat Ryan is more worrying that, you know, they, they were miles off this Kilkenny team. I mean, you look at Kilkenny, they started Richie Hogan for the first time in a match since 2020 did quite well. I thought Paddy Deegan has been very prominent for Kilkenny in this uh, league. You know, you, you said it there a few weeks ago. He plays wing forward for his club. Paramount to Mossy Keown's goal, you know, identifies, goes for the throat, could have taken an easy point, sees Keown inside, bang, goal. Game-defining moments here. I mean, Cork literally had 12 goals coming in. They were very goal-savvy, but I mean, all credit to Mikey Butler. I mean, Thomas Walsh, Park Walsh didn't give a sniff. So, I mean, an awful lot of good things here for Derek Ling and his management staff to work on. I thought the the short pass game actually evolved as the game went on. And obviously, the direct game is there for full effect. I mean, you counted Cody, Mullen, the Reeds here. I mean, when they come back in, they'll be absolutely live threats on both sides of the ball. So... I think, Kieran, you know, this league final between Kilkenny and Limerick, I think it's going to be one hell of a match down in Cork. I mean, Kilkenny, I thought, had a few gears still to go. I mean, we can talk maybe about the own Downey red card. At least that sparked a little bit of life in the game. I mean, there was that flashpoint beforehand with Billy Drennan going straight through on goal and getting taken out of it for the penalty. Kind of stirred things for about 10 minutes, maybe. But um, I thought Kilkenny just were kind of completely on top even before the one Downey read. What did you think of that uh, decision? Yeah, I, I've seen the clip back. I think he was unlucky. There was a lot went on in the, probably was two minutes of madness, really. But a lot went on. And to pick up one man for red card probably was a little harsh if you compare it to what happened in uh, the Limerick Tipperary match night before. Yeah, I, I think we need to be very, very careful how we continue on with... I suppose, social media uh, relating to games after they've completed because I suppose been a couple of instances the last few weeks where Dave Fitzgerald Leclerc, you know, obviously two head strikes, red card, which has been upheld. You've won Downey, which is a strike, and it's a, a red card, which I think is looking to be upheld as well. It just, there's one, I think it's this social media bashing afterwards. I think there's no, there's no, there's no argument, like, uh, if a referee had seen the incident with Adonu, it would have been a red card. 
but I think you could also make ju- a justification for for Tynan. You know, he was the aggressor in this. He was the he threw a blow similar to what Owen Downey threw and had a red card for. So I just think we need to be very careful how we approach this because you know we're, we're all for getting calling for player bans when it's not our team and then kind of defending our, our players when it, you know it is our team. So you know, be careful what you wish. Or I think there's one journalist for for Claire FM who was for a week sharing mad about trying to get Dave Fitzgerald off the offence that he saw the right card for and you know then after the Limerick Tipperary game shouting for a right card for Willa Dunhu and for a ban and a day after calling for Alan Tynan to be banned so you know I think we just need to be careful how we go about this in the long run I think from my view I think if it's not seen in 70 minutes by the referee I think that should be the end of it because we all know with the GA, there's no inconsistency. There's no, sorry, consistency with the GA. Like, in re- in reality, Owen Downey is, is looking at a one-match ban for an offence that Alan Tynan completely, you know, very same offence Alan Tynan did against uh, Willa Dunahoo. You know, obviously Willa Dunahoo's striking top of that, and they've got away scot-free. So, where is the consistency in it all? Yeah, no, I'd agree with you there, Karen, because I know last year I was a bit of a critic in terms of disciplinary panel, the transparency, more the transparency of what's going on. How many games will be going on in the championship in the next few weeks, particularly in the lower tier championships? Are, where are the flashpoints? There's obviously going to be flashpoints in these games, but you'll never hear about them. And this kind of, you know, midweek, Wednesday, and then you get a press release out there in the middle of nowhere and say, oh, there's cases to be answered for. And you're kind of like, well, look, I think the referee report has to be paramount here, uh, Karen. if it's not included on the referee's report, you move on. You know, I would have it, you know, you know, in terms of your officials, your fourth officials, whatever. You maybe have an adjudication after the game, you know, and give a press release then saying maybe there's a case to answer for. It happens in other kind of sports. I've kind of alluded to rugby league an awful lot. It's a good system in terms of, you know, you, you're on report. You have a case to answer. You mightn't have a suspension after it, but let's set expectations even on the day of the game what's going on this kind of few days i would totally agree with you karen it can't continue here and i would also constitute are all games being looked at i'd say the answer is no it's just the major flashpoints here so i think that from that perspective i think there's an awful lot that the ga could do from a governance perspective on the disciplinary panel they're wide open in terms of rule interpretations but i mean just even for governance how things are being legislated i think uh, there is food for thought, I would think, there for sure. I suppose, uh, Kieran, we'll get back to it here in terms of the other teams within 1A and 1B. I suppose what stood out for you? I mean, looking at in terms of Galway, Wexford, Clare here, what are the initial thoughts here of the league campaign for those three? Yeah, I suppose for Wexford, I suppose it's been a poor year results-wise if you compare it to last year's league where they went unbeaten for the five games. But I suppose, yeah, strip it all back. They've been heavily blighted by injury, especially the key players. But in turn, it's it's forced uh, Dar Egan to try younger players, and I suppose it w- with mixed results, really, Wexford need the top guns all fit to be competitive. There is, I think, serious uh, concern for Wexford in the next few years. There's a number of players on the wrong side of thirty, and you know, I I just think when when these lads step away, I can't see who's there to replace. I think the Wexford GA need to act quick. Just looking at school level. Schools aren't, you know, involved in any major competitions. Fitzgibbon competitions, you know, limited uh, amount of Wexford players playing these competitions. So I think they need to, to act fast. But I think I think Wexford, you know, get players back. 
they will be competitive for the round robin, and I, I do think I, they will be one of the top three teams in Leinster. But you know, after that progression wise, it's hard to see. But I think yeah, it's been a kind of a mixed league for for Darregan. I think for Galway, I think Galway one of these teams where they have been showing a whole pile. Uh, they've tried a few younger players. Kind of impressed with you know Liam Collins, McManus, McManus. Yeah, really impressive. But switching players, new positions. They've had um, Connor Whelan out around uh, centre forward and things like that. But to me, I think they're a bit of an unknown going into the championship. I think a lot of people would have had Galway as favourites for to take Leinster. But, you know, seeing Kilkenny for the last few weeks, I think Kilkenny would have put a test to them. And, and I think that game will be huge. But look, Galway are strong. They have serious players, serious depth. And uh, I expect they'll be fit and ready for championship. And I think with Clare, Lohan knows this team. He's with them four years. It's, uh, you know, they're, they have a bank of players. I suppose the advantage of having um, Aidan McCarthy back this year, and hopefully we see more Mark Rogers. They've had a poor league, I think, and, and you know, compared to other teams, but I, I can see them being fit and ready to go for a championship. I'd be very, very surprised if Clare weren't one of the three to come out of Munster. I kind of agree with you with those sentiments there, certainly, um, Kieran. I suppose talking about, Wexford, I suppose, the only thing really from Darregan and the selectors' perspective, at least they know what the depth chart's like in Wexford. It's not as if they didn't give opportunities to fringe guys, prospects. I think at Banville, uh, particularly in Wexford, seemed to, uh, McGuckin as well, seemed to impress, but others may not have taken the opportunity. And as you say, the loyal lieutenants, the Lee Chins of this world, McDonald's, Rory Connor's probably a big one to get fully fit, to come in and make an impact in Leinster will be key, but I suppose Darry going to have to run the rule. We saw it last season in terms of the Clare quarterfinal, All-Ireland, where the last 10-15 minutes said nothing off the bench and it proved decisive. I suppose Galway here, David Burke out with the ACL. I hope this is not the end of his intercounty career, but again his age, you know, it's not looking good. I think that's a big blow for Galway just for leadership perspective. I do see them getting into the All-Ireland series for sure, being a bit of a live threat. Again, Dahi Burke at centre half back, Gerard McInerney at full back. I think that might be an intriguing subplot. They won't be far off, I don't think, Galway, uh, to be fair. And I think Clare, it's we know that they have the forwards. The capability is there. Tony Kelly, the Aiden McCarthy's been haven't seen Jane O'Donnell. I just worry for them defensively. Have they really identified anyone net new to come in and really make an impact? I don't think Brian Lohan has really identified anyone really in the back line to really push anyone from last season's championship team out really so again i would say claire maybe will be a top three but i think maybe some old failings might happen particularly if john conlon were to go down with injury again who's the half back here so i think that's going to be an intriguing subplot also um, going to be missing obviously david Fitzgerald for the Tipperary game which is you know, a huge, huge game huge game you know so you know you lose your first game and the pressure's on straight away and uh he'll be one of the main guys there so that'll be a huge hole to fill for him and I suppose, looking at 1B, we've talked about Tipperary and Kilkenny at length here. I suppose Watford, Dublin, Antrim. I know folks were going to get to the, the Westmead Leash game in due course. But I suppose Watford, Dublin and Antrim here, I suppose, reflections for their league campaigns here, Karen. I think Watford, you know, I really don't know what to make Watford. Looking at the league game, is they kind of they stepped up in in uh, in, in, in uh, degree of hardness as they're, as they're coming up. You know, started with the likes of Antrim and that, but finishing off with Tipperary and Kilkenny and, you know, the they didn't impress. I think there might be a possibility of discipline issues. Was it four or five red cards over the league? A huge question on the game plan. 
and a serious lack of goals. I know you might say Limerick don't shoot the lights out goals wise, but you know they're 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 working to a system that seems to be fine tuned and points from play are uh, are what their their target is. We just don't know what Davy is. It's all a, a mirror for the for the championship. Is he trying to hoodwink us all? But Desi Hutchinson playing where he was, having zero to no influence compared to what he should be doing. The players are in Waterford. I think now is the time. You know, if they have any aspiration to win All Ireland, this is the year. You know, they're guys in their prime, really. You know, uh, Ozzy Gleeson, Desi Hutchinson. You know, Ty Burka. You know, these guys. They're they're battle hardened. They've experience and. This Waterford team, if they have any aspirations and don't want to hear what Davy says about this is year one of year three, or like this this team has been around, and I think now is the time, and it's it's shit or get off the pot. I think maybe holding some bits back, but they're gonna need players back fully fit. I mean, I think Austin Gleeson particularly, particularly in that Tipperary game in Central Stadium, I think clearly wasn't hundred percent. So why would you play him? Why would you risk him? For a, you know, a potential hamstring um, scare. Connor Prunty as well, I think, is a fundamental player back in the defensive line because we saw very quickly against Tipperary that this back line can be got at. I can see Davy probably deploying sweeper systems, probably much to the detriment of water supporters who'd like nice, direct, fluid hurling. Mightn't be the case. I think Waterford are just a true enigma. It'll be interesting to see how they approach uh, that opening round game. It's against Limerick uh, in Turles. And I mean, Turles should suit Waterford. This is a team, a Callum Lions. There's pace aplenty in these lines. So I would just hope for Waterford's sake, you may be thinking about it a little bit too much. Just go for it. I think, you know, that should be in our mantra. But whether Davey really goes with that and goes very structured might inhibit him a little bit. I think that's the intriguing subplot for Munster, really. I suppose in terms of Dublin here, Kieran. I mean, Donald Burke aside, I'm still wondering here in terms of who's a a formidable forward line player that can maybe support Donald Burke in Dublin's Leinster hurling quest. Uh, Alex Constantine maybe played a a, a part in in a few games. Yeah, I think they're heavily reliant on Donald Burke. Ronan Hayes, who you know had a very good year last year, I think they need to get back get him back in the pitch. But you know, it's very hard to see what Dublin have gained from. From the league, you know they were very good against Antrim at home, but then they let Antrim back into the game. You know they were they were comfortable, they were very very good on the day, and you know I suppose that that would be a huge question mark to me that they, they switched off and, and let Antrim back into the game, and you know had had there been another five minutes, you know God knows what would have happened. I just think you, if Donald Durk doesn't play, you know I think there you'd wonder where the scores are going to come from. There is youth coming, you know the, 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 as you said earlier off air, Mark, the, a good minor team. I think to be fair to me, I don't know who he has tried a lot of players, but they're, you know, young guys. It probably is a bit of a project. I think you know, I probably expecting a lot from Dublin this year, but I think from from me, I don't know who this is going to be a maybe a two three year plan. So I suppose it's early days on on, on their path, but you kind of would worry them worry about Dublin for the for the round robin. I think if Wexford forget their their the old reliables back in, you know you. No, albeit Dublin are playing extra at home. I think that's the that's the game of the of the their own robin for me. I think because I think winner that takes the third spot and answer for me. Just fundamentally, skill set wise, Dublin have to show so much better in terms of their skill set, their first touch. I'm just thinking in terms of that Kilkenny match in UPMC, Nolan Park, where they were nowhere near it in terms of the skill set. 
and uh, Kilkenny won with relative ease. So I think for Michal O'Donoghue, I think it is very much fact-finding season. As you say, that Parnell Park fixture with Wexford will make or break the season, I would think. But um, there's a few guys there, like Danny Sutcliffe, there's guys there that are kind of getting to the end of their intercounty careers here. And I think to be fair to these guys, one final push, they're not going to be wanting to be listening to side and transition here. So I think the likes of Alex Considine, the forward line around Donald Burke really have to step up massive here if they're going to be anyway a factor in Leinster, to be perfectly fair. I suppose Kieran Antrim as well, they got their win against Leash uh, in Corrigan Park, ran a few teams close, namely Kilkenny, Waterford, they had a good performance with 14 players. I suppose reflections there from an Antrim perspective, can they get into Leinster with a bit of optimism? Yeah, I think you, you could add the Dublin game into that as well. Dublin were on top in that game, but Antrim really pushed them towards the end. Yeah, Kilkenny game, you know, played in... Uh, I think they've had some really impressive performances. They seem to be slowly building year on year. I think the, the biggest negative for Antrim is geographically, you know, where they are in the country, they're so far away from Hurling counties regarding getting games. You know, we we saw it in, in years gone by where they've been impressive and then, you know, lost the game that they had to win. But, you know, yeah, saw off leash, secured Hurling Division 1 for, for next year. And, you know, I think... They'll fancy themselves, they'll fancy a scalp. I think they'll fancy, um, you know, they'll target one or two games, but, you know, it, it would be hard to see them doing anything in the in the championship for me. But I think uh, it's been a, a good year, but you'd expect more building on, on that next year. And uh, probably, what, fifth or sixth term for, for Derek Leeson up there. So, Indeed. The, obviously, they're doing good work up there. But, uh, you know, I think they'll there's a, still a bit of a bridge to gap between um, where Antrim are at and, uh, and the top counties are at. Exactly, no, I think Darren Gleeson has done an incredible job up there. But again, there's a vibrant club scene up there. I mean, we've seen it with Dunloy at the start of the year, particularly, you know, beating Schnott-Neal in the Ulster final. I thought it was a major scalp, given Schnott-Neal's dominance in Ulster senior hurling. And then to beat St. Thomas and all that. Like, they have the capability here, thinking of the likes of Keelan Manoy, Cahill Gunning here. There is massive talent here. Neil McManus has always McManus, been an yeah, yeah. absolutely class. Burke has really come into it as well. They have good players here. I mean, I think from Antrim, the fact that they beat Leash, I think the pressure is off them. I think they can just go on to Leinster or Hurling Championship and really express themselves. And Corrigan Park is going to be a difficult place to go, uh, particularly for one or two of the Leinster teams who are maybe looking a little bit vulnerable. So I wouldn't be all surprised if Antrim did pull up an upset here. I mean, their first round game against Dublin, I think, could be huge. I mean, At home as well. At home, at home yeah. as well. And I mean... We've alluded to it here at Parnell Park, how that game finished. Antrim did have an awful lot of wasteful shot selection during that game as well that Darren Gleeson was rueful of after the game. So I think that's a huge opportunity. I mean, that's a massive game for both Antrim and Dublin. One wins there, momentum has been built. So, I mean, whoever loses on the back foot. But I think from Antrim's perspective, I think it's been a good league. The fact now that the league is going to basically kind of update again in terms of the likes of the Limericks coming into 1B next season. Again, it'll elevate the, the opposition that Antrim will be playing, but again, there's an awful lot of talent here. I'm looking forward to seeing Keelan Malloy as well. I think he's an outstanding talent here. Very versatile, can play you know, forward line, wing back, midfield, and I think he could be one to watch, certainly. So, no, um, all all looking fairly rosy for Antrim uh, heading into the Leicester Championship, and we'll have a preview of that in the next few weeks. I suppose Westmead Leash. Uh, we haven't mentioned them yet here, Kieran. They played in FBD Simple Stadium last Saturday. 
a massive cracker. I mean, scores are plenty here, and really it was only until Keyes' goal on the 63 minutes that really kind of broke this game out. I mean, both teams had good periods of pressure, but unfortunately for Leash, they're looking at Division 2A next season. Yeah, really big step down from looking at the game. I think and Leash were the better team earlier on. They rushed into an 8-3 lead after 12 minutes, but two minutes later, a quick 1-2 from Westmeath on the back level, and uh, there's actually only a point in it at half time, you know, and I think it was it was tit for tat all the way along the second half until that goal, uh, Owen Key's goal, as you said, Mark. And I think from there, uh, Westmead nursed it along. Actually, uh, Derek McNicholas, who I think had been out of the camp, was back in and uh, scored a late race just to, I suppose, give him a bit of reading space. You know, I think I questioned Westmead and like taking beating after beating uh, in the league against you know big teams. You'd wonder what good it was doing them, but I suppose look to turn up. Leash have, I suppose, had some up and down performances in the league. I think the first game against Bray, they were woeful. I think they've built on that a bit. They did have a very good minor team last year, um, which I think Willie Marr will need to integrate into that team. But, you know, have some quality players, you know, Steve Marr, you know, I think even rolling a goal, you know, gets up and down um, for some scores. You know, there is, there is, there is, there is quality in Leash and, you just worry, you know, I'd, if they don't have a, a very big or a good Joe McDonough campaign this year, you know, you'd, you'd worry about him going forward that the, the slip could continue because there are some very, very good teams in two ways as well, as we know, we've talked about it this year. Hopefully they'll have a, a good McDonough campaign upcoming next weekend, actually. For Westmead, yeah, look, they've secured Division 1 for next year. I think they've... I, I, I struggle to see have Westmead improved since last year. You know, Joe Forrest in second year, sometimes it's harder in the second year to to gain momentum. But, you know, quality players and Killian Doyle and his brother Kieran Doyle actually had 15 points between them. You know, I'd say Owen Keyes won one, uh, Boyle won two. And uh, look, they'd be delighted they, they probably won that playoff game. But, uh, you know, for Leash, you, you'd worry for the future. It's a disappointing result for Leash. I mean, for Bill Maher as well. He couldn't disclose the fact after the match. Again, he could see that Leash had actually probably produced one of their best or better performances of the league, but really didn't reflect their dominance on the scoreboard and probably key. I mean, Stephen Marr with eight points was kind of a key one. Keys as well with five. Roland hits the goal late on, a point and a difference. But I suppose, again, it's it's a, it's going to be shark-infested, I think, that Joe McDonough Cup. I mean, Leash are coming in pretty vulnerable now, you know, with zero for six in terms of their league form. Again, they're going to be facing teams here like Kildare, like Savafle, Kerry, Carlo. I mean, it, it is going to be fairly competitive. No team in that bunch is really going to fear the leash. No disrespect to leash, but I think these are going to have to earn that respect of these teams pretty quickly here, uh, here, uh, Kieran. Yeah, you know, we've talked about it all year. Some serious quality, all vying to come up, uh, all wanting to play, you know, Lee McCarthy hurling. I, you can compare it to the, the championship soccer in England. You know, it's probably the hardest division to come out of. And I think you could you could say 2A is like that now. Because they don't want to hang over there in 2A because the quality of teams, we even seen it with Down and Derry as well. They did absolutely give teams a real rattle in that league. So, But I suppose going back to Westmead, I think the pleasing part for Westmead here, it was nip and tuck. I know uh, Keyes gets the goal, but Roland's goal at the end puts a one-point game. Killian Doyle goes off, but then we got the clutch plays here from Derek Clinton's free, absolutely huge. But also, as you said, Derek McNichols is two points down the stretch here. 
really kind of settling the game down a little bit right at the end. So I think from Joe Fortune's perspective, the way they closed out the game, uh, I thought was probably a pleasing aspect. You know, David Glennon as well, I thought was pretty prominent there in a leadership role. And they got goals at vital times, uh, particularly in the first half as well, keeping that scoreboard ticking over. But, you know, they have taken heavy knocks. But again, Killian Doyle being very much very dependent in terms of his scoring here. So it'll be interesting to see with Joe Fortune and management and team how they can evolve this into the Leinster Hurling Championship because the standard is going to be through the roof here. Yeah, I, yeah, it's hard to see can they progress it anymore. I think when you look at the likes of Kildare and, and the upward curve they're on, there's a lot of work going on in the background. Their underage teams are playing in the Kilkenny Hurling League, so they're getting great exposure. I see the was it the Kildare twenties or nice, you know, really impressive win as well. So there, there there's younger guys coming too behind us, you know, and I think you could see Kildare being a, a top hurling count, uh, county in the next few years. But for Westmead, you know, they probably still are a dual county. You know, I think football is number one there. To get any further, they're going to need support from their own county board, and you know, I suppose to to improve hurling in the county. To take the jump from where they're at now to go any further, you know, it, there's big steps to be taken. So for me, I just have question marks as how 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 much how far much further Westmead can go. Uh, I think they'll be happy to to be in Division One again next year. But I think we've seen it with Leash. Leash have been battling for the last eight ten years to stay in Division One, and I think finally caught up with them. And you'd probably say you could see the same fate for Westmead in, in years to come. Yeah, I mean, there is work going on there quite clearly in Westmead, particularly in the schools levels here, particularly around the Athlone area, particularly in Mullingar area of uh, Westmead as well. So I think it's going to be a slow burner here, I suppose, with Joe Fortune. He has what he has right now anyway. They may be able to pull an upset, you know, result like they did against Wexford last season. But I suppose the cat's out of the bag here a little bit, Kieran, as well, isn't it? From Westmead's perspective, I think teams know about Killian Doyle kind of know about the, the Westmead kind of line of attack. So I think it'll be interesting just to see how they would adapt to the Leinster Hurling Championship season. But clearly next season will be a tough ask, particularly with who may be coming up from 2A. And I suppose we can finish off with that uh, here, Kieran. In terms of the semi-final of 2A was in Tullamore last Saturday. Kerry probably produced one of their better performances of the season, but fair to say their accuracy was way off and gave Offaly a lifeline at halftime and Offaly didn't have to be asked twice to kind of make the adjustments to win by four points and face Kildare in the 2A uh, final this Saturday. Yeah, I think they were they were probably evenly matched, but as you mentioned, Mark, yeah, Kerry were very well. So I think when you're looking back at the video analysis next week, it'll be for painful viewing, 12 first half wides and nine in the second half. I think, you know, Kerry were very good in the middle third. Jordan Conway, great game, four points. Uh, Podrick Boyle having seven frees and scoring eight. Sorry, Shane Conway had four points, Jordan Conway two points. I think especially in the first half, you know, awfully eight of their first half points were from freeze, you know. So the I think Kerry had the potential to be, you know, way on top had they converted their chances. You know, I think they'll they'll be probably kicking themselves. But I think Kerry have been a little bit like this in the league to date. You know, they've been up and down for me. I think you look at the likes of Kildare and Offaly have been a little bit more consistent game on game. You know, Kerry have kind of imploded at times. Kind of wondering, are Kerry, you know, looking with, you know, at the future, uh, the Joe McDonough? I think really that is their target for this year. They've been so close in the last few years. And I think 
without suggesting that they're pulling the handbrake some bit, that they're, um, I think that's their target for this year. It's John McDonough. They've been bridesmaids for the last few years. I think this is the, this is the year. And I think the pressure is, is on my own for this year to produce that. But I think for Offaly, you know, they have their own injury concerns, injury problems. Going into a League 2A final against Kildare, who they only faced there last week. I think it'll be a really, really close game uh, in Port Leash. I think the only downside for Offaly is they're going to be playing seven weeks in a row. They're league final this weekend and straight into Joe McDonough action next weekend. You know, so we've uh, the top tier teams complaining about a two week gap between uh, league and championship for the next group down the, the league two teams. They're straight into it. So I think if you're, you know, looking at levels of fairness, you know, you can't say that's one bit fair for the for the you know for the league two teams to to go straight in from from league final to Joe McDonough action. I think it's just a, a disrespect from the GA's point of view. You know, why, why they can't treat the Division One teams, Division Two teams similarly. I just don't know. I mean, cruciate ligament injuries have been highlighted significantly particularly from certain GA counties, no more so than Offaly. I mean, if you look at the news of poor O'Shane Kelly, I mean, works his way back into full fitness only to get another cruciate ligament. I mean, Michael Dignan has highlighted this on the Irish Independent. Michael Verney, superb journalist, basically with the report. And I mean, it really does kind of tell the tale of the table. O'Shane Kelly out. Also, Ross Ravenhill, the Dura club man, you know, he's out as well, who would be a significant cog in Johnny Kelly's plans here as well so and I mean besides the 2021 All-Ireland football final winners there's three of them out with ACL so I mean Cormac Egan as well and John Furlan as well there would be great hurlers as well so I think from an awfully perspective it's it's going to be a daunting schedule isn't it really um, seven weeks I mean Stephen Lumphy highlighted this after, before the down game when Kerry were playing in Austin Stack Park I mean I don't care what team you are seven weeks on the trot with injury suspensions for Johnny Kelly and management. I think this is going to be a serious, serious challenge here to even get into a semi-final. given the teams, as you said, Kerry here have an awful lot of scope for improvement given the performance uh, last weekend. You'd also have Carlo kind of waiting in the ryegrass here along with leash and uh, Kildare as well, who are resurgent here. So I think from a, you know, an awfully perspective here, it's daunting, uh, but I suppose first things first, a League Two final against uh, 2A final against Kildare here. Massive opportunity to get back to top flight, hurling at least anyway, uh, for next season and see how the season goes after that. Yeah, which a lot of people say is probably where they belong. You know, the, they took a downturn the last few years and they're, you know, slowly making their way back up. A lot of work on the background. Probably no more than they deserve. Uh, but I suppose you don't get handed these uh, chances, you have to take them. I think they might be, you know, at the minute, especially reliant on, on uh, Owen Cahill, you know, 13 points again out of the 23 last week. Charlie Mitchell, you know, really young guy coming in, getting two points, really impressive. And, um, you know, the, we do know that, that um, the minor team from last year, I think, will yield uh, a few players to eventually join this setup. The likes of um, uh, Dan Ravenhill and Screeny. Screeny. Adam Screeny. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, you know, I think there's some some uh, good young guys coming as well. And, uh, yeah, what a huge opportunity for, for Offaly to go back up, playing against the bigger teams. But I suppose the challenge being the, the playing so many weeks in a row, you know, they have injuries at the minute and, you know, the chances of players being added to that injury list is fairly high. I just don't see where the room is. You know, if you have a bad game, there isn't much time to put things right if needs be. 
they're just kind of going to go from week to week for now. And I suppose you would give the advantage to teams who are having a slight break, like the Carlo. Kildare obviously have a one-week break last week, and the likes of Leash, who suppose will you know, have time to take stock and go again. So, yeah, look for Offaly, I suppose, this is where you want to be. And, uh, they're, you know, they're only 70 minutes away from Division One hurling. That over-dependence on Owen Cahill this is extraordinary, really. He scored 70 points here, uh, Kieran, out of 121 uh, during the season, which really tells the tale of the tape here for Johnny Kelly and management here, who's the old fulcrum. Obviously, Nally has come in. Uh, with some decent cameos and these the other people are going to have to get in, involved here in the scoring stakes because Kildare coming in after the bye week courtesy of their draw against Offaly in Tullamore in the last round of the league I mean who do you fancy here in this 2A final I think it's a very intriguingly poised final I mean you have Offaly who said look they belong in the top five but you have the resurgence of Kildare with David Herity as manager just been solid solid foundational work going on there in the last few years, I think, in Mullally, in terms of his management of the team. Who do you fancy coming out of that game and getting promoted to the top flight season? I suppose both counties are similar in that there's a lot of work going on in the background in both setups. I think both have been highlighted. I think you look back to last week's game, I think awfully its, it's spells were, were better than Kildare. They might have been a bit wasteful. Kildare might feel they got a bit lucky coming away to draw. But look, this is it's a, a final, so... Teams can react differently. I think just the the extra week or the week's break will be an advantage to Kildare. You know, awfully obviously missing the guys are missing. I'm, I'm going to tip Kildare. They've been unbeaten. They've, they've impressed me. There's a lot of work on there. And I think Offaly will be hungry to get back up. But I think there'll be serious hunger in Kildare to, to take the step to Division 1 hurling, you know, to take them to new heights. Yeah, I think they've just really built in the last few years, haven't they? And I even think of Nace in terms of their progression in terms of county finals, particularly the intermediate final win season before, but also in terms of how they gave Baddy Hill uh, an absolute rattle in the Leinster Senior Hurling Championship final. So, I mean, you can see the grassroots, you can see the fundamentals are all there. I think it'll just be intriguing on Sunday here, Kieran, uh, just in terms of how both management teams set up. There will be adjustments based on what transpired in that round five game uh, in Tullamore. So, I'm going to tip Kildare here. I think it's, you know, given the freshness of Kildare, as long as Kildare, the, the occasion doesn't get to the players, I think I will slightly edge it to them. I think Offaly do have a few questions to answer, particularly in scoring, particularly if Owen Cal is curtailed here. And if Kildare can be disciplined defensively, where the score is coming from, I think Kildare here, I think like Sir James Burke, I think Deegan as well. They're big, big players here for Kildare, have been in the last few years. And, I mean, it'd be a massive tonic for Hurland here as well. Kildare, look at the catchment area. Look at the population. Look at the towns in Kildare. Football team are in Division 2. Look, it's a proud footballing county. But, my God, if we could get maybe Kildare as a Hurland county here, that's a huge revenue stream here for GAA, uh, particularly heading into kind of particularly uh, your Joe McDonough, certainly. But also, you know, kind of going into bigger games. So, yeah, I'll slightly tip uh, Kildare, but I think that is a standout game uh, this weekend. Bullseye, Kieran, we might leave it there. Many thanks uh, for your time this evening. I suppose next week uh, we'll review the 2A hurling final between Kildare and Offaly. Maybe run the rule over 2A as well. I mean, we kind of glanced at it in terms of Kerry, Carlo as well. There was Derry down, but also looking really into Joe McDonough Cup as well, maybe doing a preview there and also a preview of the Limerick Kilkenny final. I suppose until then, Karen, have a great weekend and sure we'll chat next week. Same to you, Mark. Thanks.
Thank you for listening to this podcast episode. If you liked what you heard in this podcast, why not subscribe to the Hawkeye Psychic podcast on either Amazon, Spotify, YouTube or Twitter platforms. You can also follow me at Hawkeye Psychic on Facebook and Twitter for the latest sporting opinions, articles and reports.